Welcome to Two Chicks, Three Seats, the podcast that takes a look at the hospitality industry's hottest topics. Two Chicks, Three Seats is hosted by Kate Kennedy and Rachel Calkins and is brought to you by Triple Seat, the industry leader in event management software. Find out more about Triple Seat at TripleSeat.com. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Chicks, Three Seats. We hope you're all enjoying your summers and seeing many new events on your event calendars for the rest of the year. We haven't really done an episode talking about hospitality news lately, but it seems like there have been a lot of interesting and important topics going on right now. So with that, we are going to dedicate this episode to talking about all of the trending news stories in the hospitality and events industry right now. I love me a trend episode. <laughs> I know. So I talk about trends all the time. I know. I know. I know. Well, this first one, I'm sure many of you out there have heard about this story. It's actually from two weeks ago, but we thought it was important enough to talk about today. So this one comes from Eater, and it was also all over the news. I feel like other than Eater, um, so a restaurant in the Cape Co- in Cape Cod, they closed to give their workers a break from customer abuse, which is horrible. So. Like I said, it's from July 14th, this story originally, and it was at Apt Cape Cod, which is a restaurant in Brewster, Mass., um, which is on the Cape, for those of you that aren't familiar with Massachusetts. And they closed down for an entire day because of rudeness that the customers were showing to the restaurant staff. So basically the thought around it was that the owner wanted to close so that they could do like a deep cleaning. They could do more training with the staff, but also to treat the staff to a day of kindness. Um, because they've been seeing an uptick in rudeness and abuse from customers. And basically the final straw was that a customer was berating the staff for not being able to take his breakfast order when they were actually closed for business. That's so crazy. So one customer even told the staff, I hope you get hit by a car. That's like an actual quote from a customer at this restaurant. I hope you get hit by a car. I can't like, if this isn't the most Cape Cod tourist story I've ever heard in my entire life, then I don't know what is. For those of you unfamiliar with Cape Cod and going there in the summer, there are a lot of douchebags <laughs> summer on Cape Cod. You think Jersey Shore is bad? You think the Hamptons are bad? Come to Cape Cod. <laughs> Bunch of privileged <laughs> assholes, basically. Sorry, everyone. I wa- I. They summered there as a kid, like summered. We went for a week. I'm I was, not I was there last weekend. You were there last week, right? Uh, we used to go, like we used to go to the vineyard, but we also, my aunt had a cottage in Falmouth. So we used to go every summer for two weeks. Um, and yeah, I mean, even as a kid, I remember thinking that like some of the people were just tourists, especially. And when I say tourists, I don't mean like there are tourists who go there from all over the country and all over the world. Yes, but most of the tourists are from New England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so these are our own people acting like complete douchebags like some type of like weird I'm on vacation on the Cape entitlement like it's just I don't know what happens to people down there but it's not nice and this restaurant has seen a ton of it and like I feel like we've heard about this though at lots of restaurants since restaurants reopened after like the COVID shutdown it's like customers all of a sudden think that they should get more like they deserve more or something. I don't, I don't know where it's coming from, but it's right. just so, so horrible. I feel like, um, but 
you know, they did. So apt Cape Cod did make a public statement on their social media accounts that said, as many of our guests and patrons treat us with kindness and understanding, there has been an astronomical influx daily of those who do not swearing at us, threatening to sue, arguing and yelling at the staff, making team members cry. Please remember that many of my staff are young. This is their first job or summer job to help pay for college. We have had to make adjustments through the increase in business volume, size of the kitchen, product availability, and staffing availability. And we are not trying to ruin anyone's vacation or day off. I mean, this poor person who owns this restaurant and their poor staff, it's just I, I mean, I can't, and like that, like this message says a lot of people who work in restaurants on the Cape are young and it is their first job. And, you know, the Cape is one of those places where a lot of foreign foreigners come to work during the summers, but they can't because of COVID, because, you know, because of travel restrictions right now. So it is all like high school and college kids who are working these restaurants in the summer. And it's like, you made someone cry. Like what is wrong with people? What do you, and honestly, like the Sue part is so funny to me. Like, what are you, what are you so mad about? Why? Because you didn't get like your oysters on, on a Wednesday night on your Brewster vacation. Like, oh my God. I can't. It's literally so ridiculous. The fact that they like are threatening the, the staff like that, saying, I hope you get hit by a car. Right? I just can't imagine those words coming out of anyone's mouth. Like it just, I mean, life. it's like a movie. I can't like, I just, I just, I don't know. I just don't, I just can't. <laughs> I just, and, and like I said, I'm not saying that this only exists like, oh my God, these are total mass holes. And like, you know, who do they think? They, I'm not saying that at all because I am one. So like, I'm not, but I would, I just can't understand treating anyone like that in any situation right. whatsoever. And right. like, where is this entitlement coming from? I, I don't know. I mean, it's just crazy to me. Is it more public now because like restaurants are, gaining more publicity in the way that like post COVID, like more of these news stories are actually becoming news stories. Like is, has it always been like that? I mean, I've definitely experienced some serious Karens like on the Cape and everywhere else. I've where I've never worked on the Cape, but like going to restaurants in the Cape and, you know, I mean, it's everywhere, but this just seems like way more than normal. There was a, actually there's a, like a really cute, like mom and pop ice cream place down the street from my house. And they had to close because people were yelling that they wouldn't. So the way they were doing it during the height of COVID is that you would wait outside. One family was allowed in at a time. You'd order um, and then you go outside. There's a window to pick up your order and that's it. And it was seemed very organized to me. But there'd be lines like last summer. There were lines like 20 people long because it's an ice cream place in the middle of the summer. And people were getting like they had to close down because people were like, yeah, bashing them on Facebook and like yelling people in line. And it was like, what is wrong with you? You need ice cream that bad? <laughs> just wait your turn. Right, right. Oh, but I could go on and on about this, but I, I just know. feel so bad for those. I just, I can't. I mean, and not to mention, like, we're, you're going to talk about this next, I think, but like restaurants are struggling so bad right now with like food shortages and the high price of the food that is available. And like they have so much on their plate already and you're just making it worse. You're lucky right. they're open. You're literally lucky they're open. Right, right. 
I know. And even like some of our customers, like just people coming in and like complaining about, oh yeah, I see that there's a table open for two people. Why can't you just seat me? And then the staff being like, well, these actually have a reservation for them. And then the customer getting angry about that. Like, yeah. you know, it's, there's a rhyme and reason, like they would see every single person in every single spot and they are trying to do that. But if they have reservations, right. obviously they're going to respect that. But people just like, I just don't understand why people can't be understanding the general I, public. It's just like common sense, basic humanity. Right? Like, let's get it together, people. Come on. Yeah, you're, you're going out to dinner. This is supposed to be like an enjoyable experience. Like, I don't right. get to go out to dinner that often. So when I do, I'm like, an hour wait? Sure, I'll stand here for an hour. I don't care. Right. I'm out of my house. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> don't care. I'm not cooking. Awesome. Yes, it's just these <laughs> vacationers that want their vacation to be perfect. And God damn it. I mean, away. right? And they're probably pissed because they had to sit in traffic on the bridge for four hours. And <laughs> well, that's what happens when you travel to Cape Cod for vacation. Freaking Cape Cod. <laughs> I mean, I love the Cape, but not in the summer. I'd rather go in the fall or winter yeah. for that matter when no one's there. The, the bridge is tough. It, the bridge is tough. It's a struggle for real. Um, Anyways. <laughs> all right. Well, that's definitely <laughs> one issue and, you know, not to continue on the negativity train here, but there, I feel like there just is a lot of other new struggles. You know, like we had the first struggles was COVID itself, the lack of how many people you could have um, in your doors, the spacing, the masks. And now we've made it through that huddle. These are just like the new second wave of struggles for the industry, which is just unfortunate, but it is the reality of, you know, the direction that we're in. Yep. But this next article is called the North, North Texas restaurants struggling with food shortages. And this article talks about how Texas restaurants specifically are struggling with food shortages, but obviously this is happening everywhere not just in Texas. All across the country, there's different shortages um, with food products and products themselves, non-food supplies due to the overall struggle with the supply chain that provides all the things that restaurants need to operate. And like this obviously isn't a new problem since the pandemic, it seems, but it does seem like what you're saying before that customers are less understanding to the delays now than when we were yeah. in the midst of the pandemic. Because I feel like, you know, there is the mindset that, okay, COVID is, I'm air quotes, COVID is over because it's obviously not over. And, you know, right. this whole Delta variant is a whole other thing, but I think people are just so excited to be back out there that they're like, you know, expecting it to be just the snap of the fingers, everything's back to normal, but that's clearly not, you know, the reality. No. Um, but I think, whereas when we were in the midst of the pandemic, people were seeing it firsthand, how it looked so much harder for the restaurants. And now maybe they're not being as, as self-aware about that, but uh, obviously the COVID restrictions make it so that less workers are allowed to work, which slows down the supply chain timelines and that, that still do have to like pump out the same amount of product and transport it. So there's a huge backup. Um, and now even more so as restaurants are opening to full capacity, like it's just doubling and tripling in the demand versus the supply. Mm -hmm. um, according to this article, Texas has been short on things like milk, cooking oil and chicken among a bunch of other products. And I think, I mean, this has kind of like been common knowledge that the price of like chicken wings, I feel like it's been all over the place that yep. that price has gone up even higher than it's been before. I remember when I was in Buffalo, New York, visiting my grandparents in May, the chicken price, the chicken wing price was like crazy high. And like, you know, you're in Buffalo, you want right. Buffalo wings. It's like, that's the place <laughs> for them. And it's like, everything is now like two to $3 higher just because that's 
what's happening with the supply chain. Um, and back to the Texas article, they were referencing the chicken shortage and the article says there was a breeding issue last quarter. There was a 22% increase in demand and an 8% shortage in supply. Wow. So, you know, obviously those don't work well together, <laughs> which is tough, but there isn't really necessarily a quick fix for this because it does require patience as you know, we work our way back to what normal supply chain looked like. Uh, but restaurants are encouraged if they can to, you know, maybe expand their menus if they need to. So like if your restaurant is fully based on chicken wings, maybe now you offer chicken wings and chicken thighs and that can, you know, fit the needs of everyone coming in to see you. Um, but I think just another important piece of this is just for the general public to be aware of what's going on right now. And like, yes, it is not ideal necessarily to, to go into your favorite restaurant and not be able to get your favorite meal, but you know, just order something different. It's not that big of a deal. You can still find something that's just as good and it's not the restaurant's fault at all. Um, so I think just people need to be more aware. I don't know. I feel like it's just, this is, if you're, if you keep up with news in general, if you're just a general person, not in the industry, you still see these things on the news that, you know, this is Absolutely. just the supply chain right now. And I don't know, I was, yeah, when I was talking to our at Bostonia public house, we were talking about the food shortage and, you know, people just are not really getting it, but also it's at the same time, it's like, if you don't know what's happening in the world right now, that's kind of on you as well as a I civilian. Agree. I mean, and the thing is, are you buying groceries for yourself? Because they're more expensive just to go out and buy them. I mean, right. I, my grocery bill has gone up like a hundred, at least a hundred dollars a week since like post pandemic. And um, even more so than during the pandemic. And I feel like prices skyrocketed at that point as well it's crazy. Like my budget is just like, it's gone through the, I mean, and maybe it's because, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. There's so many different factors, but I'm not buying more. That's the thing. I'm buying the same amount. So I know that prices have gone up. I tend to just not look at prices and just buy what I normally buy. <laughs> I don't even have that. Like, like I should look at prices because I, I don't have that much money, but I just, for some reason, I'm just like, you know what, but I want it and my kids eat it and I'm not arguing with them. So I'm buying it. <laughs> uh, all I know is a Haas avocado will always oh be basically like $10. It feels like it's it, just yes. like they're so expensive to buy an avocado. And I look at the prices, you know, sometimes they'll be like the deals where it's like two for $3. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's a dollar 50 today. And then the next day it's like two fifty for one. Like, you know, it just, it changes like crazy. It's like gas prices. Avocado right. prices are gas prices. I'm telling you right now. It's crazy. They change every day. You never know what you're going to get when you go to the store to buy an avocado. It's literally <laughs> so good. I know. And then depending where you go, if I'm at Trader Joe's versus, you know, somewhere right. else. Right. Right. No, I know. I know. And I tend to like, I tend to gravitate towards Whole Foods for shopping, which is my fault again. Mm. But I buy like bulk items at cheaper stores. And then like those specialty items that I just really can't get anywhere else. And honestly, I've noticed recently not to keep talking about grocery prices, but this does have to do with the restaurant industry because it's food prices. I have noticed that no matter where you go, prices are high. Like I could go market basket is that's a very Massachusetts and New Hampshire brand. I feel like, but market basket is known to be like one of the least expensive places to grocery shop in this, in new England. And it's and a lot of the prices are the same price as they are at whole foods right now. So I feel like it's no matter where you go, it, it's expensive. So, right. Anyways, that's my two cents on food prices. <laughs> it's just frustrating. And hopefully yes. it like plays itself out and we just move into the better direction of like normalcy again, because it's yeah, tough, yeah. but I know. 
who knows be what normal aware. is anymore. Yeah. Be aware people. Be okay. aware. Be Open nice. Your brains. Yeah. Use them. <laughs> um, so this one, well, it depends on how you look at it. This one is maybe a little um, on the brighter side of, of things, not so much doom and gloom. Um, a record number of restaurants are opening in New York City. Well, sort of. So there has been like a lot, um, a lot said recently about what's happening in New York City with restaurants and how like, you know, especially just New York City in general, like New York is back and the energy is back and everyone's, you know, everyone's like back to like normal. I'll use air quotes again, but you know, the hospitality industry is actually part of that because obviously a ton of restaurants closed during in New York city, specifically during COVID. Um, but according to the Brooklyn chamber of commerce, commerce, this is like sort of the start of a restaurant renaissance in New York city, um, which I thought was really interesting. And it's the article that we're quoting right now said that close to 700 restaurants opened their doors between March and May of 2021. Um, and so like in comparison, if you want to compare it, there were more than a thousand that opened over that same period in 2019. But I think that for post pandemic um, and where the industry is right now, that's quite a few restaurants. Um, and obviously the report also said that some of these were restaurants had planned to open during the pandemic, but couldn't open their doors yet. So they've sort of just been like in a waiting period and those are included in that number. But I still think that there are tons of restaurants that plan to open during the pandemic and just never open. So, I mean, that number still is a good number, but I do think that there's like two ways to look at this because I feel like one thing that the, that the pandemic did do was it, got rid of the oversaturation in the industry. And I don't mean that, I feel like that could come off in the wrong way. Like, I I think it's very sad that all these restaurants were like had to close, but you know, there were some that maybe were on their way anyway. And, right. and the oversaturation of restaurants, especially in a place like New York City, um, I mean, it's real. There's so many restaurants, so many restaurants in New York, so many, even after all the closings, there's just so many restaurants. So, um, I mean, it's good to see that these restaurants are opening and, you know, new businesses are coming, but I just hope that they're worthy, <laughs> especially in a place as tough to own a business as New York city. I mean, come on. Right. That's like, I mean, a re the restaurant business is one of the most risky businesses you could ever, if, if not the riskiest. And then like to add in like, Oh, we're going to open our doors in New York city, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is like, <laughs> let's, the just most up, let's just up the challenge by like, yeah, five, yeah. Exactly. It's like, why don't you try like Main Street, New England before you like jump to New York City? It's kind of kind of crazy. But um, but yeah, I mean, I hope it's a good thing. Um, in one quote that that we really liked from the article um, said that now well into the summer, restaurant openings are firing out like a shotgun which I thought was like a really good way of explaining it. You were in New York city recently, Rachel. Did you see like, I mean, I don't know, you don't live there, so I don't know if you would even notice, but like, did you see like a lot of new restaurants sprouting up or, you know, I feel you know? like, I feel like I've definitely heard of them through from my friends and they yeah. do live there. I don't know if I technically noticed it when I was there, but there definitely is a lot of activity going on. Um, and I I wonder if this is something that's like happening. I mean, this article talks specifically about New York City. Um, be interested to know if this is happening in other places 
around the country as well. I do feel like I've, I've read a lot of articles recently about restaurants opening up in Boston. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, maybe it is, maybe it's just big cities right now. I don't, I don't know, but, um, but yeah, it's interesting. I just hope it doesn't, you know, I hope we don't just like jump right back to where we were. Like, it's sort of nice to have that like balance of like restaurants that, you know, cause the thing is, is that the restaurants and again, I don't want to piss anyone off, but the restaurants that like, let's like are maybe not going to make it. They tend to take the business away from restaurants that like do have those bones and could last a lifetime. Right. And, right. and these new restaurants popping up, which is sometimes they take a, for a short amount of time, they'll take away the business from restaurants that are actually viable businesses that are going to last. So that's right. sometimes that hurts the industry, but that's also one of the reasons why it's one of the toughest industries to like succeed in. So right, right. we'll see. I mean, yeah. I think it's good news. I think it is too. I'm just curious, like how these restaurants will handle the, the, the issues in the industry that the already open restaurants are having right now. Like what we we're just saying, like the food shortages, the employee or the customer behavior, like the yeah. hiring shortages. I mean, I don't know, like do people looking for jobs, are they going to look for the already established restaurants that are just opening again after COVID? Or are they going to try for like the brand new fresh opening? Right. I don't know. It's kind of interesting because, you know, the problems are still there, but it's just going to be a brand new restaurant to be spearheading instead. Yeah. And that's a really good um, entryway into your next topic that you're going to discuss right now. (laughs) Let's go transition, Kate. (laughs) So the last thing we're going to mention here is the Mad River Barn, which is a customer of ours located in Vermont. They made a statement on their social media on Facebook saying that they're going to be focusing on events only, and they're going to be closing the restaurant and bar that they normally have for dining until December of 2021. So they made this decision because of the employment issue in the industry, which is happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um And so, I don't know, this was interesting. We found this out today, actually. But this, I mean, could be, obviously, it's a big decision to do something like this. I think it would definitely depend on the venue. They seem to be more like an inn. They do a lot of, um, like, weddings and, Mm -hmm. like, uh, birthday parties, reunions, that kind of thing. So it's not like it's, like, a bustling restaurant in the middle of Manhattan, obviously, to (laughs) not not even comparable. It's in Whitefield, I think, right? Whitefield, Vermont? Yeah. Which so is small, yeah, small, small, small um, location in Vermont. But I don't know. It's just interesting. Like maybe this is if your venue is similar to this one, this could be a strategy that you would want to try to just mm-hmm. close down your dining area just to be focused on solely events. And I think that they were just elevating their current event offerings even more. Now they can offer, you know, a full buyout in the restaurant and bar area since they're not having it open for regular uh, seating. So they also have like an outdoor space and obviously it's going to get colder again, but I don't know. It's just furthermore, just kind of shows the power of events and how people are leaning into that for money-making purposes and Mm -hmm. for the next couple of months. And especially, you know, we're heading into the holiday season pretty soon. I mean, August is going to be hopefully a time where people are looking ahead for December events. And I know we've heard some customers who are already filling up their events calendars for the holiday season. So I think focusing on events is a good thing, even if you are also opening for dining and (laughs) just looking into that as well. And I don't know, I think it'll be interesting because people are getting back into their big events again. Um, And 
I don't know, I, I, when I was talking to Bostoni Publicast about that, that we were discussing how the, like, do you remember, I feel like a couple months ago, people, when we were talking to some of our customers, they were talking about how they were getting rid of minimums and just mm-hmm. because they wanted some events, anything, and they weren't going to try to fit into a minimum that they normally had been offering. But now I think the mindset is kind of shifting and that's, that was, and we had said when that was happening, it would only be a temporary thing, but now- right these businesses need to make the money. They need to hit the numbers. So if they're going to have an event, they want it to be worthwhile and not be like hitting themselves because they could have stayed open for the restaurant hours. Um, So I think it'll be interesting how people are like how restaurants are presenting these minimums and how customers are working with them because obviously COVID hit everyone businesses on the corporate side too. So I don't know. It's all just interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I agree. And I do think that like, I definitely agree that the minimum thing, like, I think room fees are still maybe a thing of the past. Um, hopefully, I think I, I, I just, I mean, I was an event manager for a long time, obviously. And I, I just, my philosophy is like, I don't like, I don't like to pay for something that's not something like right. I understand we're renting a room, but we're mm-hmm. also we're also buying food for 100 people mm-hmm. and drinks for 100 people. And like, that should be you know, that should be, and I guess that's where minimums come in. And if you don't hit the minimum, they charge you the room fee or whatever it may be. But um, yeah, I think minimums are probably a necessary thing moving forward. So these spaces can make money because otherwise the entitlement of customers is going to get even worse. And they're going to be like, well, you give me whatever I want. Cause I'm renting this room from you when you didn't have business last year at this time. You know what I mean? I can only right. imagine some of the crap that they're probably going to have to deal with. So I do think minimums are a good idea. I just, I just hate room fees. I hate them. I know. And like about that, it's just, that was a funny example. Cause it's like, it should be flipped. Like you have mm-hmm. the honor to book an event and like celebrate in person at our venue, you know, right. be a little grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with all of the shortages and the, the staffing shortages. I mean, it's just like, that's, I, I mean, I hope that that's, that flips a little bit, but I don't think, I don't know. I don't know how it will. It's, you know, people are going to, take the restaurant jobs eventually. It's just, this might be a problem for a long time. And it's something that I think none of us actually like foresee, like we, none of us saw this coming. Right. Well, I don't know, maybe someone did, but me, I feel like I had, I, this didn't even cross my mind. Like the food shortages crossed my mind, the spike in prices, like all those, yes, those all crossed my mind, but the staffing shortages, and it should have crossed my mind because I guess like they talked about how all these people are making you know, $600 a week in unemployment. And now they don't want to go back to their restaurant jobs because maybe they didn't make that much and, you know, whatever. And they're, and then they were forced to get jobs somewhere else because restaurants weren't open yet. And now they like the cushiness of that job, whether it be like, you know, the medical benefits or the time, the vacation time or not having to find someone to cover your shift and whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So there's a lot, there's a lot there, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I said this earlier today when we were talking about the Mad River Barn in Vermont um, shutting down. I was like, for, you know, shutting down their restaurant and bar. I was like, man, I would, what I wouldn't give to have the time to pick up a couple bartending shifts. <laughs> I miss it so much. <laughs> I would love to, love you know, to. Their the mom solution. hours for bartending. <laughs> yeah, here's the solution. All the bartenders are going to come out of retirement. <laughs> the yeah. ones who go you know, right? other places. <laughs> I feel like I'm a very skilled bartender. I'm still yeah. young enough, right? Yeah. I'm not 40 yet. Not that 40 old. <laughs> 
it's not a bad Anyways, I just don't want to be, you know what I don't want to be is like one of those, um, you know, like super old school bartenders that's like, you know, 60 year old woman's been doing it forever. And like, like just doesn't want to make anything like no drinks. Like I'll open this beer for you or I'll pour you a rum and coke. <laughs> hey, you, you would never be like bitter. <laughs> I kind of love those women though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> God bless them. Anyways. Um, yeah. All things to think about. Moving all forward. To think about. If there's any listener out there that has cracked the code to all of these problems, then please inform the rest of us. Yeah. We'd love to know. Agreed. But yeah, I mean, seriously though, if you guys are listening and you have any insights or things that you've been learning or tricks along the way, you can always send us an email and we can share it with our other customers who are also event professionals, hospitality workers, everyone. I feel like we're just all in this together. And once someone figures out some sort of thing that'll help the current problem, we should just share the information to everyone. Yeah. And we love hearing from people who listen to me, you know, we hear from some of you on a weekly basis and we appreciate everyone listening and reaching out and sharing their stories. So yeah. Yeah. Keep listening. We love, we love our <laughs> listeners. Yes, <we> do. <laughs> uh, anyways. <laughs> well, thank you for listening everyone. And, um, we hope you have a great rest of your weekend. We do. And don't forget to follow us or to subscribe. I always say follow. It's not Instagram, Kate. <laughs> Hit that subscribe button and give us a five-star rating because that will just help us get more listeners, more views, and more of you to be on the podcast with us. So thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Two Chicks, Three Seats, your events industry podcast brought to you by Triple Seat, the industry leader for event management software. Find out more about Triple Seat at TripleSeat.com.